I'm sure I'm not alone in this. We've all done it. Talk to our pals in school, at college, or the workplace even. Or even the bar. Wherever. After watching this week's offering of pro wrestling and talked about what you would do differently. The following episode of the Nitrogen Podcast is proudly brought to you by Promotion Wars. The free wrestling sim where you can book matches, title changes, feuds and way more. Promotion Wars is a free wrestling management simulator that has been brought up to date for 2021. Born 16 years ago, the game now features over 1,900 wrestlers, thousands of venues, over 280 pre-built match types, 21 promotions and the chance to create your own independent company from scratch. Just think football manager, but for the wrestling world. You can download it for free today at promwars.co.uk, P-R-O-M-W-A-R-S.co.uk. So why don't you try what you've always talked about and armchair book your promotion to the top of the wrestling world. Well, hey everyone, and welcome to another episode of the Nitrogen Podcast. As always, with me, marvelous Mark Ashworth, and bodacious Brian Bradshaw. Today, we're going to be going through Nitro number forty-one, twenty-fourth of June, nineteen ninety-six, in Charlotte, North Carolina, in the Independence Arena, with an attendance of six thousand people. But before we reach the pinnacle that is this monumentous occasion, how are you, Brian? I'm not too bad. I'm glad that you actually <laughs> gave me uh, an epic leading right there. It's just like <laughs> just made me feel a little bit special. Like. <laughs> well, I, you know, I've, I've got to we're trying trying things like everything changes a little bit from week to week because we're trying to find that right, the one that clicks, the one that's most explosive. Yeah, the right groove and uh, catching me off guard like that wasn't a really good groove. I must say, <laughs> I'm like, I don't know what to say to this. <laughs> Uh, and speaking of groove as well, we are going to get groovy later on because this episode features the Disco Inferno and he's had some brilliant news. But we'll we'll touch on that later on. The commentary team for this, as always, Tony Shavari and Larry Zabisco later on, joined by Bobby the Brain Heenan, and we start off by flying back to the Great American Bash 1996 with the highlight of the Bischoff-Nash Hall segment where Bischoff goes through the table and onto the mattresses or whatever was underneath it. Um, Zabisco and Shivani, uh got detailed that, and then we go backstage to Mean Gene Auckland, who is with the Macho Man Randy Savage, Sting and Lex Luger. Macho gets all of his lines out in one go and just leaves. Like, it's just perfect. I think somebody has told him from, like, six months ago, Macho, mate, just get to the point and just stop because it's becoming a bit silly now. Um, next up, Sting. He does the exact same thing. Gets all his, you know, gets all his lines out without fluffing them. And he's intensity personified. It's always like that with Sting when he's on a microphone. And then it's Lex Luger. Well, what can we say about Lex Luger's promo here, Brian? Uh, Inuit says WWF. Yes, he does. <laughs> and also, one thing that you overlooked, that they're all wearing Sting's face paint. They're on variants of Sting's face paint. The same colours, the green and yellow, the Norwich City colours, as usual. And, uh, <laughs> yeah, Macho Man looks great. Sting is Sting. He always looks great. Lex Luger looks like he's uh, doing his best Sting Halloween costume in comparison to the, the other guys. It, yeah. It's just such a bad paint job. 
it is it is and I apologise for overlook I didn't overlook it but I was just so excited to get to the fact that Lex Luger goes WWWCW <laughs> in the middle of a in the middle of a live promo it was just fucking brilliant I like what oh Sting said God. though he says Sting uh, Sting says I and the package not the total package just the package are frothing yeah. at the mouth and I'm like for fuck's sake how homoerotic are these, these promos getting lately <laughs> Yeah, it's it's great. I, I love this just because of uh, just of well, yeah. It's, I thought it was just great, just a, a nice bit to open up Nitro with. Oh, he's fucked up already, but the other two look like they're doing all right. Uh, Matt Shaw does say, as you said, like they're all under the guise of, of the face paint, the, the war paint, as it's becoming known in WCW now. With Bobby Heenan's kind of coined that phrase later on, um, and he says, just as Charlotte, North Carolina, is Fleur country, WCW is their country. Yes, I made that rhyme, and I feel great about it. Uh, Sting's just looking great here. He looks in so such good shape. He's tanning, so like he's really brown. He's really um, ready for uh, Starcade '97. Yeah, he is. <laughs> uh, and as we continue, the promo actually ends with the Steiner brothers coming in and saying that they'll back up Sting and WCW, but that's somewhere down the line. And then in walks Harlem Heat, Booker T, and Stevie Ray coming in and saying that they've got scores to settle, particularly with Lex Luger and you know Sting. You didn't do anything about it, so we've got a problem with you as well. Is that Hot what they damn. said? Because I'm ad libbing a little bit. All oh, right, because when they came, you just in, say he has a problem with X. Yeah, when they came in, it just it devolved into shouting. I couldn't really decipher yeah. anything that they're saying. Fucking Rick Steiner is literally barking here. Yep. Like I, I just couldn't catch a single word. The only thing I I got from this was that me and Gene shouting, "Knock it off!" <laughs> Knock it off right at the end. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Absolutely. Brilliant. Oh man. We it see, really did devolve into mayhem, didn't it? Really? Yeah, we see Mean Gene a lot tonight, and it's like it's getting a bit—it's boring seeing him all the time now. He's ask, asking innocuous questions, just usual yeah. Mean Gene in WCW. But there we go. We've already got the highlight for Mean Gene tonight. Pretty much, yeah. He, he um, should be paid two paychecks just for that line alone. <laughs> two paychecks, <laughs> also known as two paychecks. Um, Anyway, these three will square off later on tonight for the tag titles. I can't believe you just said that. Match. <laughs> <laughs> hey, I mean, that's that's what I thought you said first off, and yeah. then I realised that you said two pay instead yeah. of two pay. <laughs> Caught me off guard again. Twat. <laughs> <laughs> Next one. Well, first match, actually. Uh, a tag team match between the Public Enemy, Johnny Grunge and Rocco Rock versus the Blue Bloods, Lord Stephen Regal and Squire David Table. Table. Squire David Taylor with Robert Eaton and Jeeves. Um, table. I am the table. <laughs> well, to be honest, I didn't rate David Taylor in this. It would have been better a table being the wrestler because Dave Taylor is unsafe as fuck in this match. Stephen uh, Regal <laughs> and James Hetfield. What a fucking tag team that will be. <laughs> yeah. The I camera am keeps the table. cutting. <laughs> The camera keeps cutting away from Regal's dance moves at the beginning, which is really disappointing. Uh, Public Enemy just don't look good to the eye at all. They're wearing what they were wearing like they were like hockey jerseys, but then really baggy shorts. Yeah, and they just look horrific. And I swear to God, both of them have put on weight by this point. Yes, they did. They didn't look great to begin with, and now they look even worse. There's just absolutely nothing good about the the Public Enemy uh, Public Enemy presentation here. I mean, even the the entrance music, it's different entrance, entrance music to the usual fair, and it's dubbed on so badly that you can only hear snippets of the crowd and the commentary. It's like, it's like the music is interrupting the commentary and the commentary is interrupting the music at times. Like, what yeah. the hell is all that about? 
no idea. And it's it not just... the only time where we've got a really bad, badly dubbed theme tonight. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I noticed that as well. In fact, I was going to mention actually that the, the commentary even sounds a little bit sp- sports-like in this. It's really, it's not as clean. I didn't think no that the quality just wasn't as good. Well, uh, to be fair, later on in the show we do get a message saying that it's presented in its uh, in the best form possible uh, due to production issues. And I'm like, no fucking shit. Ah, I missed that. Yeah, so um, catch it, it were it, during a tag team match. I see. Right. Well, yeah, um, they don't look good and their attempts to pump the crowd up are just flat. The crowd are just not interested in these guys whatsoever. Uh, Rock actually gets a standing top rope backflip reversal off pretty well uh, for the size of him, as he was just saying they put weights on. Either that or they're packing, I don't know. Um, Taylor actually completely hashes up the attempt at a schoolboy roll-up thereafter. Uh, It was really embarrassing. I can't imagine what Regal were thinking while they were watching that. Yeah, commentary tag covering up, saying that you were forcing him into the corner. Like, I've watched World of Sport. <laughs> they don't do moves like that. No, they don't. The, the worst thing about that is as well. The, like, the commentary had literally said, like, literally like four seconds beforehand, that he was he was the former UK champion in you know UK world champion, and it's like fuck me. To the entire American audience, he just looks like a complete joke. Yeah. Um, I mean, Horrible. it's not like he's in bad shape at all, but you can tell that he's no. aged. Yeah. You know, yeah. his best move in this is uh, a taunt. Yeah. <laughs> he spams a taunt button in this match. Yeah. And, I, and um, it's like, when, and, and I'm like, will you just stop with that? And then he, when, he starts, when he starts wrestling again, and I'm like, just fucking taunt, Dave, or get out the ring. I can't be arsed with this. It must be a Taylor thing. Dave Taylor, Terry Taylor. Just fuck off. Hey. We're told the outsiders are in the arena by the commentary people, uh, the commentators, that's what they're called. Um, and then we see Regal get the advantage, and we finally get a good look at his dance moves as he comically skips and uh, alternates each hand behind his head. Uh, <laughs> I, I, I mean, Public Enemy don't dance like this, so this was even better to, to see as a taunt because he really is just trying to rile them up. Really insulting. <laughs> Taylor again looks really poor. He almost spills a basic scoop slam. Um, he looks like he's falling over. It breaks loose in the, with he's everybody in the ring. Sp- yeah. uh, after some sneaky interference on the outside from Earl Robert Eaton, Grunge recovers to hit Dave Taylor with his arm cast, and it's over in this one. The winner being Public Enemy via pinfall in 5 minutes and 49 seconds with an illegal object, I might add. And to a huge uh, pop. Oh, did they pop? Yes. Oh, I didn't notice. Uh, I'm hoping that was dubbed in. Um, Me too. Unfortunately, the, the crowd jumping up and down says, no, that was a legit reaction. It, Fuck. I mean, why? It, it's a public enemy. That was a boring match. They, 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 they literally look like uh, 10 pounds of shit in, a, in five pound bags. It, they yeah. They don't look good at all. And the, the wrestle as such as well, by the way. There's just nothing yeah. redeeming about this tag team. And the, the crowd, for some reason in Charlotte, North Carolina, unequivocally love them. Wow. And they're supposed to be in the face in this in this match, by the way, as well. Yeah. And yeah. they win with uh, heel tactics. So. Yeah. <sighs> boring. Absolutely boring. Oh, and we get more awful dubbed music. And it's it's a weird episode for shit like this. Mm. Um. Yeah, you think Horseman Country and Ric Flair Country they might appreciate talent better than Public Enemy, but apparently we don't. They just look like they're straight out of ECW and they're enjoying the WCW catering that Eric Bischoff loves so much. Um, <laughs> next up, singles match between Kip Ave 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 Ave
I don't know how to say his second name. No, I think it's Kip Abe. But I called him Kip Abby or Kip Abby. Abby. Like, I, I, Abby. I don't know. <laughs> I've no idea who this kid you're is. Saying, I have no idea whatsoever. You're saying Abe, and I'm just thinking of Abe from Abe's Odyssey. Abe's Odyssey, yeah, yeah. You know, Kip. But Kip it's Abe. not spelt the same way. So Valaby. it has to be. Yeah. <laughs> well, Abe from Abe's Odyssey would have done a better job in this match because it's not a match. Uh, he's going to face off against Kevin Sullivan, who's come out with Jimmy Hart. And uh, it's two minutes of going into the crowd, going up a tier, attempting to get into the women's bathroom. Which failing. Larry is absolutely disgusted about. He just shouts, <laughs> no, no, no. No. That was the it's most Kevin... entertaining thing about this match. <laughs> which is... I don't know. I... I mean, right, so so Kevin Kevin Sullivan, sorry, Kevin Sullivan comes running out, right? He's like, there's no fucks given here, is there? He's just going to go beat somebody up. And I'm just like, okay, new Kevin Sullivan. I'm, I'm, I'm all right. I'll give him a chance. Yeah. Uh, stomp into the ring, straight in, straight out into the crowd, going up to the fucking, uh, to, to the women's bathroom and everything like that. And I have never seen wrestling security so protective of anything in my life as I've seen stopping these two going to the ladies' bathroom. <laughs> like... People always break through security, or they're always holding somebody back, or they're always getting beaten up, or whatever. But this time, there's—it's just you cannot go in the ladies' bathroom, and we mean it. <laughs> and the wrestlers are just like, "Ah, oh, all right then," and just sort of fucking make their way back to the ring. Hey. Well, it turns out they—they they don't. Um, Abby goes missing. We never find him again. Kevin Sullivan gets back in the ring, but he's—he's he's been well counted out. It's not even a hardcore match, and. Kip Abby will win this one via count out or DQ or it, whatever. It, it was declared to be a DQ, but oh. the commentary said that uh, it, it was risking a count out, and I'm like, it's gone over at least forty seconds by now. Like, yeah. If he ain't been counted out now, then it, it's definitely he definitely has to be disqualified. Like, there's there's no other logic to this at all. Yeah, there's no logic to that match at all. But but well, well no, go back to what I was saying though, like. The whole the whole women's bathroom fiasco was like the most entertaining bit of the match. Yes, I, I mean it, it was, and I agree with that. I, I think what I was saying is, is Larry shouting no 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 was the exclamation point to that. You know, there was <laughs> nothing more to it than than just that spot. Yeah. Uh, um, apart from uh, Tony talking about the condiments table, because I, yeah. I, I could have sworn he said that like five <laughs> times. Like, was it? Get that man a hot dog with some mustard and tomato sauce because he is hungry. <laughs> oh, and they don't even use the VIP table in this episode. Like, what the fuck is going on here? They're just spending money for money's sake here. They don't. They don't use any table tonight. That's new. That's true. Yeah. Oh, uh, yeah. And no chairs. True. Fucking hell! They, they didn't shop at IKEA this week. No. Uh, Gene is in the ring with Jimmy Hart who says that they've come to Horseman Country and they are walking out alive that's just pointless really Sullivan completely fluffs this promo up and has to be rescued by Gene who points out that if someone loses Giant has to put up the title on Nitro the next night which he does anyway so the point of this was (laughs) just I don't get it no the point was uh, Gene saying that Kev has a fixation with bathrooms Yes, uh, this is true. By the way, so do I, because I just thought, bathroom break at this point. Kevin Sullivan's talking. I'm like, <coughs> what, what's better to do? No, no not a right lot. Boy. Um, no, the, the only thing I took away from this was uh, Jimmy Hart threatening to, to chalk himself to death if he hears another <laughs> Space Mountain promo. And I'm like, don't promise us with a good time, Jimmy. You know, if It'd you, be a good time for him as well if he's into it. Uh, also a fixation. 
Also erotic fixation, whatever, whatever they call it. I can't fucking pronounce it. <laughs> I think I might. I, I so might we've gone from homo erotic to auto erotic, <laughs> <laughs> and we're only two matches in. <laughs> Taxi. Oh dear. Uh, I was just going to touch on the uh, the documentary that I watched last week, which was uh, called "Subject to Change," which, I mean. I don't want to say it follows Kevin Sullivan around, but it essentially does. Uh, I'd say half of the film is dedicated to Kevin Sullivan. A lot of people are just blowing him. You know, um, Billy Gunn, he's in it, and he's saying, like, it's an honour to work with Kevin Sullivan because he's Booker, he's the wrestler, he's a man's man, he's this, that, the other, fucking all sorts. Um, obviously, he's a lot older here because this was released in, fucking hell, 2010, I think it released. I think it was filmed between 2006 and 2010 so yeah he's looking a lot older he's done well for himself though I mean obviously being the booker for WCW and everything like that you know it comes with a decent paycheck and putting himself on TV as well um, the documentary itself isn't isn't it's not nothing to write it's certainly not beyond the mat no. if you were comparing them uh, but it is it's kind of worth a watch just because it's Sherry Martel's final video interview um, and also uh, Trent Acid and uh, who was fucking such a fucking talented dude and you know he had demons and he was battling drug addiction and everything like that and it turned out that he uh, he was found having had an overdose and he died at a pretty young age as well but he had so much potential and should have been way higher than he was unfortunately when she get into drugs and all that sort of stuff it's never a good ending is it really no um but I thought I'd touch on that anyway, just because, you know, and, and it doesn't do Kevin Sullivan any harm, this documentary, really. He, he he does a fairly decent job around it, and he just looks like, he does kind of look like a relatable human being these days in the interviews that I've seen him and stuff like that. I mean, that, um, that that's always been my takeaway from him, is that I don't really find the character entertaining, and some of his no. booking is questionable. But mm. him as a person, I've always heard good things about the guy. Like, the, yeah. the, the, the the only things bad that I hear about him is all the shit relating with Benoit and people with their whacked out conspiracy theories about the guy. But yeah. everything else that you hear about, I mean, I mean, you brought up a couple of weeks ago how even after Nancy left him for Benoit, he still put Benoit in a position where he won the world title. Yeah, like yep. that, that that really shows the 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 quality of, of his character, and I mean him, yep. his character as a person, not character on TV. Mm-hmm. I, you can't fault the guy for that. But yes, it, it's yeah. probably worth watch just for that alone, just to get a little bit more insight. Because for all, uh, for for what it's worth, I do find him the person quite interesting. Yeah, yeah, and he's been thrust into such a position as well, isn't he? Like his ex-wife, and you know, you know, the the a guy that he was he was well, was essentially one of his employees, weren't it? When you're the booker, they are kind of like your employees. Yeah, you, you're not paying them, but you kind of are because you're you're deciding what's happening with them and they, stuff like that. They but are beneath they were also, you. I think, yeah, and I think they were friends. Like they probably got on pretty well to to yeah, it's dressing room mentality. So he's in a really weird position here, isn't he? Like even to this day, like even if you talk to him today, he probably thinks back and thinks, "Fucking hell!" Like I was in the middle of like one of the most bizarre triangles here that you're ever going to encounter. I think, and uh, yeah, it fucking it just it, it baffles my brain to think about his life. I think it'd just be like a, quite an interesting book if he could just write one without wanting to put himself over and just be brutally honest and we out talking about serpents and eggs yeah <laughs> yeah um so yeah, i thought i'd touch on that anyway um if you're a wrestling fan and you've nothing else to do go go and watch it 
I wouldn't pay for it personally, but there you go. Oh, at the end, actually, uh, he's credited as the advising producer, Kevin Sullivan. So that might be the reason why he's. Um, it's kind of like his documentary, even though he didn't make it. But there you go. Next up, we're going to see a Glacier promo. <laughs> How many times have I said this now? We're going to see a Glacier promo, but we've got a date now, and it's coming July 1996. So, coming soon. Which also, funnily enough, we've got fucking Mortal Kombat movies coming out, like, now soon, haven't we? Yeah. That'll probably be coming out in July 2021. Uh, April. Is it April? Yeah, I, I, <laughs> I saw the trailer to it last night. Good, bad, indifferent. Um, it's I, I would definitely say that it's infinitely better than Mortal Kombat and Mortal Kombat Annihilation, but it still yeah. has the corniness to it. But it, it's yeah. really hard to describe. Like, I don't think it's possible to create a Mortal Kombat movie without it being corny, because it has yeah. to be based around the games in, in, in a certain way. Like, yeah. it, it's one-on-one action, one wins, one dies. You know, it. it it's it's hard to not be corny with that, yeah. But yeah. however, it, it is a lot brutal, a lot more brutal. Right. There's actual gore to it. So who's in it? Pardon? Who's in it? Um, a lot of B actors. Like there's nobody. Oh. It, it the the director. It's his first ever film. So or one of his first films, one of the other. But yeah, it's a lot of a lot of B actor, uh, B actors. But from what I saw of it they do a pretty good job but there is a really weird line because there is this uh, new character made for the film I can't remember his name but he actually has the Mortal Kombat symbol on his chest and th- this is like uh, it, it. this is where the corniness comes into it it's like Tommy Wiseau's Mortal Kombat with this line because he's got his little sister with him and she says, it's a birthmark. And the person off screen says, what does that mean? And she says, he was born with it. <laughs> like, that is just terrible dialogue. Yeah, it is. That's poor. <laughs> but uh, I think the action, the gore, the storyline will save that movie. I don't have ridiculously high hopes for it, but I think it will be a fairly decent watch. Right. Excellent stuff. But as far as video game uh, movies go, I mean, they're not. They're never going to be great. I don't don't think there's ever been a a video game movie uh, or an adaptation of a video game into a movie, should I say, that has ever really been good. I've got to say, the Sonic the Hedgehog one is. I have not seen that though. So. Oh, I'd recommend that. I would. Although, you'll probably say it's Jim Carrey being Jim Carrey. Well, that, that's, <laughs> that's pretty much every Jim Carrey movie, though. He's a very tight cast um, person. He's, but uh, It's different for him, I think. Uh, but I don't know. See, see I, can see, I can see differences in, 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 in Jim Carrey films, So because I'm a big fan of his. Well, I'm not a big fan. Not like I'm going to go stalk him or anything like that. But um, You're not going to buy one of his paintings? No, I'm not. No, I'm definitely not doing that. But yeah, I, I I think it's his best film since Bruce Almighty. I think ah, that's that's and fairly high praise. Had, yeah, I hated Yes Man. So um, that can... Eternal Sunshine of the Spotless Mind is a very good movie. And he's, that is, yeah, and he's not really sure Jim Carrey in that movie either. He has no, he has yeah. little bits, but it's more of a dramatic role for him. It's a very it's a very big departure for him, and it, it's really really sad that he didn't win every fucking award going for that movie because I think. It's probably his best performance yeah. in a film. Yeah. Um, 
outside of his comedy stick. But I mean, that's that's just me. People might agree uh, disagree with that. But but yeah, um, I, do, gonna I really need to watch the Sonic movie. Yeah, you definitely do. I'd highly recommend that. It's um, it's really good, really, really good. And obviously, the second one's going to be coming out at some point in 2022 as well. So, well, they've actually announced a sequel. I didn't know that. They have, yeah, yeah. Because obviously, Sonic. I think Sonic Two has Tails in it, doesn't it? So they've done one with Tails. No, oh, pretty cool. It is. It's well worth a watch, mate. Uh, especially if you're a Sonic fan. I was always Mario over Sonic. Yeah, oh, yeah, me too. I love I love Sonic, but I adored Mario. Yeah, so it's Sophie's choice with them too. I think like. For me, it's always been Mario. Mario was the... I wouldn't say it was the first platformer, but it was the first big platformer. Yeah. It's, it, 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 it did break the mould for, for video gaming in the time. At the time, I think it came out in, what, 1984, something like that. Yeah. And it, 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 a lot of things that you see in games today, and I'm not just talking platformers, I just mean in general. That, that, that's what that game did. Like, so it's hard to really say. Oh yes, uh, Mario's a better game or like that. I don't. I'm not so sure if Mario is the better game. It's just so beloved with its simplicity that mm. for me, I'll, I'll always prefer Mario over Sonic. But I still think I enjoy the Sonic games a lot more. Like yeah. for for, its, for gameplay aspects, I enjoy it for more. Mario has a charm that other games like Sonic don't, I would say. Yeah. This isn't a video game podcast. Can we move on? <laughs> <laughs> yes, yes, we can. Um, and just just for clarity as well, I love the Super Mario Bros. movie as well, and nobody can change my mind on that one. So there you go. Even though it's like one of the worst films of all time. <laughs> I fucking love it. One of the most maligned movies of all time. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, it's well, got next- fucking... Um, oh, fucking hell. I was just about to say, yeah, it's got him in it, and I forgot his fucking name immediately. Uh, Bob Hoskins. Yeah, Bob Hoskins. I knew they called him Brucen. But, I mean, <laughs> it's got him in it, and it's essentially playing himself, which isn't always <laughs> a bad thing. No, no. I love Bob Hoskins as well. I mean, He's one of my if, if Bob Hoskins just went, it's a me, a Mario, you'd be like, yeah, that's not Bob, H- Bob Hopkins. That's easy for me to say. Hopkins. Fucking <laughs> <laughs> hell, it's fire and ass all over again. <laughs> well, next up, we're going to get to see the WCW World Cruiserweight title on the line with a man who probably could have been Super Mario at one point, Dean Malenko, versus Bobby <laughs> Hard Work, Bobby Walker. Wait, what? <laughs> I don't know. Now that we've been talking about Super Mario, all I can see, in, all I can see is Dean Malenko in like a red Mario suit and well, red and blue Mario suit and just a, a really horrible fucking fake moustache. Does that make Eddie Guerrero or Luigi? Oh, please let it happen, yes. <laughs> is Vicky Guerrero Princess Peach? It's, uh, it's Paris Saturn told. <laughs> I don't know what they, what this makes Chris oh, Benoit. Fucking Bowser, I suppose. He does have a bit of a Bowser a quality guy. to him, but if we're yeah. talking the radicals, he has to be on their side. Oh, brilliant. Brilliant. Uh, so there you go. That's that's Mario and WCW rebooked. Uh <laughs> I just, I'm just looking at who could be Wario and Waluigi now. <laughs> you need somebody with that wah quality to them. Uh, Kevin Sullivan, he's fucking Wario. It's him. <laughs> I was gonna go with Hawk. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> Man, this could turn into a yeah, thing. Yeah. I'm gonna be, I'm gonna be up all night on Photoshop. Yeah. The, Fuck. The, the road warriors are like fucking Wario and Waluigi. You, I, you cannot change my mind now. <laughs> with the spikes and everything. <laughs> 
This is ace. <laughs> Fucking hell. Oh, man. Oh, my word. <sighs> right, so, so you can't really do this on Promotion Wars. However, one day you might be able to, uh, and this is a good way for me to promote our sponsor. Promotion Wars, promwars.co.uk is where you can download it. It's brilliant. It's got over 200 match types, 1,900 wrestlers. You can download it. You can make your own storylines. You can match types, the whole works. You can do absolutely everything on it. However, at this moment in time, you can't book a Mario storyline so I will say it's the Super Smash Brothers of the wrestling game industry (laughs) (laughs) so just have a little notepad next to you and just pretend that you're writing the uh, Mario storyline in the background and hopefully one day the guys might be able to integrate that into the game and I would be so happy Um, of course there are packs that you can download for this as well and there's every possibility that you could download a Mario pack and I'm not even kidding like you could have Mario versus Bowser in a Prince Princess Peach DNA on a pole match or something like that. You, it could happen. The capabilities of this game, and it's a free game, by the way. You should download it. Promwars.co.uk, the sponsors of the podcast. Thank you very much for sponsoring us. Uh, we appreciate it, and I fucking love that game as well. So there you go. That was a good plug. <laughs> good place to plug. Um, yeah, I, I see where you went. Pipes and plugs. There you go, yeah. It makes sense to me. <laughs> Malenko versus Disco Inferno the bash is announced during this uh, another technical schooling here as well from Dean Malenko oh, by the way he's facing uh, what... hard work Bobby Walker I don't think you said that I did I did say uh, that I made sure I said that yeah well yeah. um, I hear hard work Bobby Walker and I'm like oh fuck's sake <laughs> <laughs> to be fair he wasn't that bad in this match he, he didn't that's slip literally. off the top rope I mean yeah. if that's a statute of limitations he didn't botch a fucking move twice <laughs> then fair play that, to the guy he's he's worked hard for this match he's hard working yeah that's why that was literally the next thing i was going to say walker doesn't do bad in this match he's just um, a working man <laughs> he doesn't get much in the way of serious offense though disco inferno is uh out celebrating his cd going gold which never happened and we've still to hear it and see it uh and dancing around with his gold record presentation frame uh, he says that it's time to celebrate, so to hit his music, and he proceeds to get into the ring, mount the turnbuckle, and gives the disco shovel right. in the middle of a fucking cruiserweight title match. When he says, hit my music, Larry shouts, I'm talking here! <laughs> yeah, he does. <laughs> just every- Again, Larry, just fucking great. Everything about this is brilliant. Walker and I know, I know I'm, that is a fucking controversial thing to say about Disco Inferno in 2021, but everything about this <laughs> is just... It's golder than the gold record that he's holding, which isn't fucking hard because that record ain't fucking gold. <laughs> yeah, true. This did amuse me. This this whole thing did amuse me. Um, Walker looks at him bemused as he's getting through the ropes. He's wondering what he's doing, which allows a Malenko to see an opening and walk right through the door. A monkey flip from the corner uh, sees Walker land on his feet, but then he just actions a confused stance again, looking at Disco and wondering why he's stood on, <laughs> stood on the table. <laughs> it's just so slapstick. I, I just think it's hilarious. So, then, <laughs> drop kicks, hard work, Bobby Walker into Disco Inferno, who falls, who falls to the floor, uh, and then a bridging Northern Light suplex is perfectly applied by Malenko for the three count, and winner and still champion via pinfall, 4 minutes 39, Dean Malenko. Straight after this, uh, Malenko's in with Gene just to say uh, he takes the belt seriously, but Disco is still very excited about the fact he sold 1 million records, even though he hasn't. Uh, and even though he's just been knocked off the top rope, actually, during his dance. He says, Malenko may be the man of a thousand holds, but he's just sold a million CDs. <laughs> Malenko then just says, it'll just be one hold that takes him out at the bash at the beach. Yeah, man. 
I love Disco. Yeah, it, it, it is fun. You know, it's yeah. what you need in wrestling. It's just that some that one person is just a fucking troll. Yeah, I mean, we said that as, a million times, but yeah, it 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 definitely is a troll. That that's his character. He's still living the gimmick in twenty twenty one. It's it's great. Uh, and yeah, as to, to Brian's point, Bobby Walker didn't do a bad job here. Um, for what he was given anyway, and obviously being in the ring with fucking Dimalenko, you've no option but to just sell, take what you give him. <laughs> yeah. Next up, we're going to see Eddie Guerrero versus the Barbarian. This is one I was fucking looking forward to when I saw it on the card. Oh, yes, same um, here. <laughs> Shivani says he talked with Eddie uh, just after he come back from Japan, uh, and Eddie turned around and said that he'd actually be he'd love to be the one to take on both of the outsiders by himself because he loves WCW so much. Um, early on, it's. Power versus speed, which you, you kind of expect, don't you? Barbarian with the power and Eddie with the speed. Barbarian pushing Eddie off, who gets a drop kick. That is the first instance of Eddie getting an opening, but only gets a two count from the resulting pin. Very nice drop kick as well, I thought. Yeah, I've got to ask a question. Uh, were you sure. Was you watching this with the captions on? No, no, no that was later on. <laughs> uh, okay, right, because I was watching it with the captions on, and for some reason, it got stuck. It got stuck on action on Saturday night throughout this match. Oh, oh dear. Very distracting. <laughs> fire that beep. Uh, fire that instinct caption guy. Yes. <laughs> T-shirt's coming soon. Uh, again, Barbarian with power and strikes, and then a huge jackknife powerbomb has Eddie bouncing off the mat. Oh, fucking nasty. He, he almost really? dropped him. I don't even notice that, but Eddie nearly I went flying he did, yeah. over him. And yeah. he had to scramble um, to... Yeah, that added to it. Oh, fucking nasty looking. Yeah, and not Eddie, the Eddie worst Bull. looking move in this match. And I said worst, I mean best, but worst to receive. True. Pump handle slam is next, but only a two count on the resulting pinfall. Uh, Barbarian running in misses in the corner, and Eddie attempts a corkscrew that usually precedes uh, a Frankenstein or a Hurricane Rana, but it fails miserably to the dismay of the fans who sub- subsequently boo for a good few seconds. <laughs> Uh, Eddie with a suplex and up for the frog splash but Barbarian is up to throw him off the top rope with a release suplex the two go up to the top rope again after a bit of time while Eddie is on the outside Barbarian seemingly slips and Eddie stays on the Barbarian's chest to get a three count as they come crashing down to the mat boom Eddie wins this via pinfall 5 minutes 37 seconds it's a shame to see Eddie winning in such a way it's really cheap yeah Um, but uh, I mean it is what it is. Yeah, uh, I I didn't like the finish, but I did enjoy the match. Yeah, like, as I was saying, there was an even second looking move that release belly to belly suplex on the top rope. The mm. way Eddie crashes down, he just rolls out the ring immediately. That's a fucking shoot. He, you cannot tell me that he he didn't roll out in absolute agony because he was in pain from that. There's no way yeah, you couldn't definitely. bend the way fucking crash down. And it weren't like it was a botch or anything. It was just a very high-impact move. But yeah. you, you can't cushion that fall. Yeah, it it was, like, really snappy how quickly he got out the fucking ring. And I do not yeah. blame him. He needed that powder. Yeah, indeed. Uh, Gene gets on the mic with Eddie. See, as you said, Gene's earning his stripes today. Um, we see highlights from Uncensored. Now, I, I did we do Uncensored? We did not, no. We didn't do it, right, because this didn't click in my head because I didn't see it. So, basically, Eddie goes up for it uh, to try and get on the shoulders, obviously, for, again, for a Hurricane Rana or a Frankensteiner or whatever. And he crotch shots in Conan's head, Chrome Dome. And it cost him the match, unfortunately, for the United States title. And that's how it finished. Just a nut shot, and Conan quickly covers him. 
Yeah. He then wishes luck to the three facing the outsiders at Bash at the Beach. Again, reinstating, reinforcing the fact that he he wouldn't mind being the third guy for the good side, not the bad side. But um, unfortunately, he didn't get picked. So there you go. Well, he ain't been around for fucking two months. No. <laughs> I, honestly, I, I have been wondering for a while, where the fuck is Eddie? And yeah. this didn't really do a good job of explaining it because I actually missed the line that what you said from commentary where uh, he'd been in Japan. I completely missed yeah. that. So I went. I heard this promo. Um, I watched this promo, and Gene says he's been on an international tour in Japan, and then it just shows the highlights of Uncensored, and you see Eddie holding the knee. And I was wondering, right, was he on a tour or did he get hurt? It was either one or the other, or maybe it was both. But it, it, there was a really, really poor job of explaining that. There was just no structure to the promo. That that really, really should have come after. The talk of Japan, and then uh, and he was said it, and then Minjin, it very very clears it up saying he was part of the Super Super Juniors tournament in New Japan. So I'm like, okay, fair enough. That uncensored promo was just there, so he could say, yeah, I'm gonna go after the US Championship again. That's literally yeah, it. Yeah. Like, fair enough. But yeah, yeah. The the worst thing to actually see was him holding his fucking knee because immediately I thought, okay, he was injured. Yeah. So they were selling that as they were selling it as a nut, uh, a nut shot, but I thought I thought he'd injured his knee as well. So maybe maybe it was, maybe it wasn't. Um, I did some research, yeah. and he was a part of the Super Junior tournament that summer. So, oh, do we should have told the truth for once? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> Fuck. Let's set my temperature. I'm fucking burning up here. <laughs> Covid. Tag team match next. COVID. That, that's what the C in WCW is. Covid. <laughs> <laughs> Only when they tell the truth, though. Yeah. <laughs> Tag team match up next. The uh, four horsemen, Arn Anderson and Chris Benoit, with Steve Mongo McMichael taking on the Rock and Roll Express, Ricky Morton and Robert Gibson. That's it. Uh, yeah, well, you're right, folks. Another payday for the Rock and Roll Express, who seem to come out without music here. And which I'm going to presume is what Brian was alluding to earlier about bad dubbing. Uh, not the. It, it, it happens again, put it that way. But uh, yeah. yes, come out to no music and heavy booze, which I thought was weird because these guys were always faces. Yeah. Like, yeah. So it just turns just... out because they were facing Arn Anderson and Chris Benoit, yeah. and the fans unequivocally loved them. Like in yeah. this match, Arn Anderson applies uh, a sleeper hold, and the crowd pop for it. Yeah. How often do you hear that? I don't know. I don't think we ever see that now, do we? <laughs> I don't think you ever saw it before. I, I can't recall a moment where someone someone applied a sleeper hold just to rest for a second, and the fans go, "Hey, time yeah. wasting!" Like. I've never seen it before in my life, but I, I appreciated it because it just goes to show how over Arn Anderson is right now. Yeah, he can he can true. do absolutely anything. He could take a shit in the ring and the crowd would pop for it. <laughs> um, yeah, I completely agree there. I was going to say he could stab Sid, uh, Sid Vicious in the ring and, and the crowd would pop for it, but probably not. Yeah, ouch. No, we'll avoid that one today. Uh, although you have just said it, so there you go. Um, delete, 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 delete. <laughs> All right, Matt, calm down. We've got uh, that. We've that got was the, that was Matt Hardy on caffeine. <laughs> we've got the the hour two thing here as well. So just as you said, like time wasting, it just clicked in my head that they do the whole like the countdown and like they they've kind of sent the Rock and Roll Express and said just take your time getting to the ring. But Rock and Roll Express are like ninety two here anyway, so. <laughs> They don't need to take the time, do they? 
<laughs> so, so basically what happens on, on, on Nitro if you guys haven't, aren't watching it or haven't watched it um, as it goes to hour two there's a little WCW Nitro that, logo that appears in the bottom right hand corner but then that slices and half of it goes up and half of it goes down exposing this little piece of dynamite yeah the clip uh, art dynamite. dynamite yeah <laughs> and it's got a ticker on it so it, it ticks down from a minute to zero and that's when hour two starts of WCW Nitro that entire ticker was the amount of time it took for the Rock and Roll Express to get to the ring. And I ain't talking like WrestleMania entrances where it genuinely would take a minute to get to the ring. Even the Undertaker would like, be sat at home watching this like, fucking hell, guys, come on, get to the ring already. <laughs> this is a 6,000-seater stadium that's at capacity, so we're sold out today. This, the place ain't big. So from the entrance way to the ring, which is max bang, like right in the fucking middle, it's not taking fucking a minute, but they manage it. So fair play to them. Yeah. Without the Zimmer frames, that's probably what they did. Just took <laughs> all, them away. All from I think of is Hulk Hogan after a match in uh, uh, XPW, post WCW. This is. He's like, I've got to get in shape, bro. These two need to fucking get in shape, but it's taking them fucking a minute and a half just to get to the ring, or however long it fucking was. <laughs> The other good thing about this as well, so they do our two, they let all the fireworks off, and then Tony Schiavone says, right, we've got to go for a break now. <laughs> I don't know why it took on me so much, but it did. Because, because, like... because they've had the break. <laughs> they want to slaughter Soka B to the ring, and now fucking Arn Anderson and Ben Wall have to wait even longer. <laughs> it's just a production nightmare, this, isn't it? Could have took a break while Rock and Roll Express were actually fucking coming to the ring, but they're like, no, 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 we'll watch these OAPs, walk to the ring, and then we'll let all the fireworks off, and then we'll cut to a four-minute break. Fucking hell. What the it, fuck are you thinking? If John Tenter was in this match, his hair would have grown back by now. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh, my God. Anyway, um, and this, we come back for the... By the way, this on. is where we get the message at the bottom of the screen saying this uh, the match is presented in the most complete format possible due to production issues. So this match went longer than what, it, what, than what we see, clearly. And right. if, if, if you didn't re- realise that beforehand, the commentary just start talking, they make no formal introduction that, um, from the break at all. It just, it just comes back to them in midst of a conversation. Yeah, he's mid-conversation. So he's talking about, uh, it says the outsiders are here and they're here to overthrow him and he doesn't like it, but they shouldn't be playing part of their game Yeah, and waiting to hear who the third man is. It's almost as if it is mid-conversation, so it is really fucking bizarre. Yeah. Uh, uh, you're not you when you're hungry. Grab a Snickers. The outsiders are here, folks. Like, <laughs> yeah, very, very weird. But like I said, there's production issues. But again, no fucking shit. There's production issues all throughout this show. Yeah, live TV. There you go. Um there's a whole lot of nothing in, in this from the start. Just a lot of fucking time wasting. Owens uh, tagged in after a couple of minutes uh, of Bedwell wrestling in there. And he gets, the, as you said, the big fucking pop. The big cheer from the uh, North Carolinians. Uh, you can see the bit... Sorry, you can you can see how much that gives him as well. He has like that extra spring in his step. Like he's got, got pure butterflies it, and, and he's well up for it now it, that he's heard. The, he's got that fucking rice smile on his face again. Yeah, there's a part um, where he's holding onto the ropes, and uh, I think it's Robert Gibson is punching him, and he's staggering on his feet. And throughout this stagger, he's got this fucking Cheshire Cat smile on his face. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, I'm getting punched. Like, yeah. <laughs> only Arn Anderson can get away with that. Totally. Uh, he, he he misses a high risk maneuver shortly thereafter, uh, but they get the advantage again with Ben Maneuver. Sorry, my bad. <laughs> uh, maneuver. 
Uh, they get the advantage again on the outside with Benoit hiding under the visibility of the apron uh, as Orange's backing up and bringing... I, I haven't detailed who it was that he was bringing round. Uh, basically bringing him round and Benoit's hiding and he, he gives him a clothesline. Mongo McMichael's just stood there with a fucking briefcase like doesn't even know what the fuck's going on. <laughs> so Benoit's hiding but Mongo's there with a briefcase and you kind of think, well, he knows that something's going to happen here, doesn't he? So I suppose it could work like eyes are on Mongo thinking he's going to do something but then Benoit's hidden. Or maybe so, it's just a uh, miscommunication and he's yeah, it, and be. he's been there ready for once in his life he's in the right right spot at the right time and Benoit's not. Maybe. It, it, it I think Mongo's just waiting. But yeah, I think Mongo was just, just eager. Eager to just drop that briefcase on somebody else's head um, because he doesn't hit people with it. This gives the Oisman the advantage in the ring with the near fall, but again, Orin is tagged in and rock and roll get their advantage. As the referee is distracted with Orin and Morton, McMichael delicately drops the briefcase on Gibson's head as he's about to drop Benoit, and that'll do it for the Horseman as Iron drops a DDT on Morton, literally as the three count is being counted. And the winner via pinfall for this one is the Four Horsemen. Uh, the the end where Iron just has to get his DDT yeah. in. It's just like, well, fuck it. You know, yeah. <laughs> I'm on the top rope and I'm getting battered and the referee's kind of over there now. I'm just going to DDT this guy now, fuck it. Yeah. Uh, what I was saying is the, the whole angle, the whole Horseman stick is really, really good here. I'm really enjoying yeah. Mongo, even if he's he's in the wrong time, place at the wrong time. But I, I yeah. suppose the the uh, ineffectiveness of Mongo as a wrestler is probably half the entertainment, you know. <laughs> but uh, he's in a position where he had he has absolutely no right to be. But yeah, yeah. I mean, even even the uh, briefcase shot to the head is a bit iffy. It's like he stalls for a moment before he hits it. It's like he has to think before he hits it. Like he knows he has to hit it, but he obviously has to hit it in a certain spot, not the side, the center, where it won't actually hurt the opponent. So yeah, you know, he just has that that pause, and I mean, he pauses for like two seconds before he does it, and yeah, it's those kind of things. Like I just enjoy about him. Yeah. At least he's trying to be safe, though. Mm. We can't really say much um, about him in the ring, but. No, <laughs> I've seen some of them fucking tombstones uh, from that Twitter account. That's our Mongo, and jeez, fucking Christ! I wouldn't want to take a is tombstone. That, is that by still that his handle, actually? Pardon? Is that still his handle? I thought it were Mongo and Friends now. No, that's just the the name. Name. All right, okay. Uh, next up. Well, not next up, actually. Joe Gomez, of all people, is out to rescue the Rock and Roll Express here, which makes sense, seeing as he has that Rock slash GTA vibe going on. Um, <laughs> fucking... He actually does, doesn't he? <laughs> yeah. He gets slapped around so much by Mongo, uh, Macho, and Kevin Green are out to make the save here. And, um, well, that'll do it, basically. So, uh, Enan does say something about, oh, yeah, he should get back to, to calling cabs. What is it? Driving cabs in Puerto Rico or something. <laughs> he comes out, a leopard print... So it's like a leopard print um, vest top. And I think he's got leather trousers on or he might have black jeans on or something like that. I can't remember. Yeah. His hair again just looks fucking beautiful. Seriously, um, with the leopard print vest, he's definitely a fucking Vice City uh, taxi driver. Totally. Yeah, oh. definitely. Backstage, Gene is with Fleur. Gene, fifth oh, time we've seen him. By now. the way, I have to say, before we cut back to uh, cut back to Tony, up to, up to me and Gene, Tony says, we need to cut to me and Gene in the locker room. And Heenan just says... Why? <laughs> so fucking... One word and it's so fucking cutting. Ace. Well, Gene is backstage with Fleur and the ladies uh, and Fleur maintains that they are locked up and secure in this dressing room 
And then in walks Chris Benoit and Owen Anderson, <laughs> just casually. <laughs> this makes me think that it isn't as locked up as Flair thinks it is. Oh, they've got a key. Flair calls out... Yeah, true, yeah. Uh, Flair calls out Can- uh, Canyon, calls out Conan, uh, and it's high fives all around. Michael Jordan apparently raised his four horsemen hand signal at a basketball game, and that about does it for this promo, really. Yeah. Uh, uh, I, caught, I caught Nancy looking at Chris Benoit and Chris Benoit looking at Nancy. That's just really it. Yeah, absolutely nothing promo. And that's yeah. really sad to say about Rick Flair because he's always entertaining, but there's just no substance to this at all. He starts talking no. and he gets interrupted by his teammates. Mongo shows his ring to the uh, to the camera. James mentions mm. something about Michael jo- uh, Jordan, and we're yeah, we're done. Yeah. We're out there. Like next up, Shivani and Bobby the Brain are putting over the July seventh pay per view as the biggest night in our sport. It could be. Maybe we should watch it. Mm. Uh, <laughs> Why not? Which we are going to do, folks. We already know this. Uh, next up, singles match. Diamond Dallas Wait, Page. Wait, we are? I didn't right. sign up for that. <laughs> yeah. With... <laughs> I'll do it by myself. I'm fine. Uh, Just like me, most so nights. Ma- th- <laughs> <laughs> oh, <laughs> I've had a drink. <laughs> I'm going to need one. Do um, not keep that in. <laughs> <laughs> do not keep... You can fuck right off that statement. Yeah. <laughs> um, <laughs> So this is for the King of the Ring Ring, aka My Precious, as I called it a couple of weeks ago. Uh, a couple of clever roll-ups from Alex early on as DDP showboats. But it's all DDP when we get back in the ring after that pisses DDP off to the point where he just wants to beat down. DDP attempts a punk kick. He always misses, and surprise, surprise, he misses, allowing Alex to uh, get an advantage in this one. A jumping axe kick, initially from a position where his back is facing DDP, rotating round to back bump it, was as sweet as you like from Alex. Yeah. And I was actually watching this and seeing him prepare for it, and I was like, wouldn't it be cool if he did a Pele kick here? And he just did something way better. Yeah. Like, I fucking marked so hard for this really, fucking kick. Really, <laughs> really impressive. Mm. Uh, axe handle from the top row, only for a two count from Alex. The commentators put over the fear the outsiders have instilled in them after the attack on Bischoff. Uh, Alex again attempts a splash from the outside to the inside going over the ropes which I uh, described as a springboard Vader bomb because that's the only way I could describe it yeah that's a good shout yeah. that's really descriptive actually yeah um, it, it was again gets... really impressive yeah it was Yeah, that, that's, it, it's very hard to actually do a springboard over the ropes as it is to be able to splay your body out like that I mean that is some agility yeah you, you need a lot of uh, upper strength oh yeah because you're, you're uh, you, essentially you, pulling yourself you, over aren't you you do need to do your cardio for that shit yeah you can tell I've actually been working out I'm actually starting to realise these kind of things like beforehand <laughs> it's like oh yeah why would you need cardio to do a springboard it fucking makes sense to me you know oh yeah it's all definitely. in the upper body it's not the lower body you have to take the weight off your lower body to do those kind of moves yeah. it's all upper and oh, yeah I, 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 again I can't I can't I can't big Alex Wright up enough like he's one of those talents that's just went well under the radar and it should have been a bigger star than what he was and yeah. shit like this that really confirms that yeah it does the, the, the thing about him as well is that he does have that power in his legs as well doesn't he, he has that oh, spring, yeah. so and he's, one way or another and he's, he's quite a tall it. guy as well yeah totally um, so they need to get up for DDP which, which fucks Alex up a little bit he uh there's a suplex attempt and Alex does actually manage to wriggle out of it but it's a diamond cutter out of nowhere and while Bobby Heenan misses the first slap of the mat it is indeed a three count and the winner will be Diamond Dallas Page still the king of the ring Lord of the ring king of the ring Lord of the ring you're absolutely right you're absolutely right king of the ring's on the other station my bad yeah 
Funnily enough, uh, during Royal Rumble two, uh, Royal Rumble two thousand, fucking hell, that's nostalgia. During uh, the Royal Rumble this year, I actually tweeted. <laughs> that was on Channel Four. Pardon? That was on Channel Four. It was. That was my first pay per view. We discussed I that. I think it was my. Fi- de- uh, I think. Go on. We discussed that on the first episode. Yeah, I think it might have been my first Royal Rumble as well. That you know. Yeah, but uh, yeah, I watched the Royal Rumble this year, and uh, during it, I actually tweeted out from the podcast account. Uh, so uh, does the winner get of this get the Lord of the Ring? No reaction whatsoever. <laughs> that goes to show you how important the Lord of the Ring really was. Yeah, that's that's pretty much it. Yeah, I, yeah. I'd love to know where that prop is now, actually. Mm. Um, continuing. Yeah, <laughs> Gene. I would just I had to just switch notes then. Uh, Gene announces DDP will face Hacksaw Jim Duggan for My Precious, while the fans boo. <laughs> they don't fancy it, and neither do we. I would be honest. <laughs> Yeah, DDP says it's a conspiracy that he's being held down with crap matches like tape fist matches against Hacksaw Jim Duggan. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we don't want to see it either, he, Diamond he, Dallas. He also says that anyone who faces him has a life expense. Uh, life expense uh, blah, 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 blah. I'll say that again. <laughs> DDP also says whoever faces him has a life expectance. Uh, exp- I still can't say it. <laughs> you keep doing that, it's going to stay in. <laughs> it's fucking hard to say this. I'm going to change it. DDP also says that anyone who faces him has the lifespan of a housefly. But all I could think of was, fucking hell, that's not Jim Duggan. He's like a fucking cockroach in a nuclear break, uh, meltdown. You know, <laughs> he, he ain't fucking going anywhere. Yeah, true, true. And he'll still have his fucking fist taped up. Yeah. Um, fucking, I just... I right, could you imagine this a is fucking... This the of the beach. Imagine a cockroach with all its upper legs with fucking tape on. <laughs> that's fucking Jim Duggan, isn't it? <laughs> Oh, uh, I've got to presume this is after a break because Gene's out again. This time with Kevin Green at the entranceway. Uh, Green says that the Carolina Panthers are going to do. Uh, they're going to surprise a few people for for a massive, massive but cheap pop. Yeah, uh, um, also- I, I I would say he, he said that he has a game plan about Mongo, and he, he starts talking mm. about the Carolina Panthers, and I'm like, Mongo's not fucking playing football. Where are you going with this? And again, it's yeah. like you say for the cheap pop, but he actually does say that um, he's going to use all the hatred for Mongo. And whoever he faces for the Panthers is they are going to kick some ass. Now, yeah. I actually did look this up and they got beat by the Green Bay Packers in the NFC final. So I suppose his hatred for Mongo wasn't all that bad. It actually did work. They didn't get to yeah, the Super yeah. Bowl, but they got to the, the match before the Super Bowl or the semi final yeah. as we would call them. You know, it's not a semi-final yeah. over there. It's an actual conference final, and they do win a trophy. But still, I'm talking my knowledge of football and my knowledge of the NFL and trying to contrast them here. Uh, just bear with me here, guys. You know, <laughs> I don't want any angry tweets saying, no, you don't know shit about the NFL. It's not a fucking semi-final. It's actually a conference final. Yes, I fucking know. I don't know that much. But yes, they got far. They did pretty well. And after that, he said he's going to go on a Mongo hunt. To which Mean Gene says, do you need a license for that? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Again, just a little snippet from Mean Gene that I do like. Yeah. Um, yeah, Green does respond to that, doesn't he? He says it's just locked, loaded, and ready to go, and all that lot. Uh, but he does say that once the season is done, he's coming back with two other guys and the Macho Man to get revenge on Mongo, and I presume the Four Horsemen as well. So there you have it, folks. Kevin Green will be making a return to WCW when the season is over and done with in the NFL and AFC. Woohoo! NFC. Um, By the way, AFC is the other conference, but. AFC, that's it. Yeah, um, yeah. So you, you know, you were, you were in the ballpark. Hey, yeah. stupid jobs. Let's continue. <laughs> Next up, Randy Savage, uh, Kevin Green's charge versus VK Wall Street. 
as Wall Street is getting into the ring here, you can clearly see a cameraman telling the fans to boo to be on TV. Uh, I I saw that as well. <laughs> Production nightmare <Yes>. two. <laughs> Terrible. Um, Wall Street spends more time concentrating on Green in this match, not the money, the person. Though there's an unintended joke in there somewhere, which allows Macho a constant advantage. On the outside, however, Macho is sent into the guardrail, which gives Wall Street the opening that he needs. A few strikes in the ring and he gets a two count, but Macho is back on top shortly momentarily and gets a couple of near falls. Wall Street back on top as Macho misses a standing elbow and Wall Street takes it down to walking pace. Wall Street misses the to- uh, misses from the top rope. A couple of clotheslines sets him up for the big elbow from Macho onto VK Wall Street. But VK slides out, only to be sent into the ring post by Kevin Green. Macho gets the elbow off the top rope. And it's over. Winner, Macho Man, via pinfall, 4 minutes and 37 seconds. Meh. Yeah. Uh, typical Savage match. Typical VK Wall Street match. Savage was mm-hmm. entertaining. VK was VK. Yeah. Next up is going to be the main event. WCW yeah, World Tag Titles. <laughs> no, I, I, I genuinely don't. Let's move along. Don't. We don't give a shit about yeah. VK Wall Street. Spoiler alert, guys. <laughs> As if the other two matches he's had on Nitro have ever and either of them entertained us. Come on. No. Um, and that, the unfortunate I, thing is, as well, this is Macho like the week after having one of the best matches like ever against Ric Flair. Yeah. <laughs> Such a shame. Sma- like hitting him in the face with candles and shit like that. And then he has to go and face VK Wall Street in a fucking snooze fest. Yeah. That's what you get for losing to Ric Flair. Yeah. True. Like, know your role, mate. <laughs> So yeah, the main event, WCW World Tag Team Titles on the line. It'll be Harlem Heat and the Steiner Brothers taking on uh, Lex Luger and Sting in a triple threat triangle tag team match. Uh, um, God. Yeah. So I, T- I fucking hate these matches because they yep. defy all logic of wrestling. You have three tag teams, but only two members of those tag teams can be in the ring at the same time. And they can tag in anybody. So it's by by law, by by rule, uh, Sting could tag in Lex Luger, and Luger could yeah. roll Sting up for the win, which happened in yeah. WWF when the Raw Dog yeah. and Billy Gunn did the exact same thing to retain the tag team titles in the triangle t- uh, tag team match. Why do that, please? Why can't you just have all um, all the teams, one member of all, te- all three teams, in the ring at the same time? Effectively making it a proper triple threat match, and they can yeah. only tag in their partners. Yeah, it makes more sense. Uh, makes some more sense, more logic. It'd still be a clusterfuck, but at least it'd be a logical clusterfuck. Yeah, yeah, of course it would. I fucking hate these matches, <laughs> and they're still doing it to this day. I love it because you've said you've essentially said the same thing that I was going to say. <laughs> <laughs> you've just, I'm just, I can, I can skip half of my notes now because you fucking said it all. <laughs> Oh man! Um, at the beginning of this, Booker T, as they're making their entrance, Booker T's on the phone, as obviously they're in the, new, the in the hunt for a new manager after Sherry was dismissed from WCW. Uh, yeah, this, this is something I've always found really weird about wrestling. Is like when somebody's trying to uh, trying to get like a new manager or something like that. Uh, the, the scouting process always happens in the arena, not backstage. <laughs> like, we're ready for a match. Oh, I better get on the fucking phone then. Yeah, yeah, you couldn't time it any better. <laughs> really weird, but it, it it it's also universe building, so you can't really pick it apart too it, much. Yeah, it's there for a TV audience. Yeah, exactly. Um, and and actually, there for the audience 
that's actually in the sta- in the arenas, the stadiums, or wherever as well. Yeah. Well, I, obviously, I'm detailing that because it's part of the Harlem Heat storyline, but also somewhere down the line, they do get a new manager and it is on TV. So I'm trying to keep things uh, thingy because <laughs> otherwise, it'd just be like, well, Booker T's on the phone. Huh. Um, I, I'm interested <laughs> to see who their new manager will be. Hmm. I I can't remember how far it. It's definitely this year, definitely. Oh, I should oh, fucking hope so. Yeah. You know, <laughs> if, if, if he's, on, if he's on the phone for the next year, fucking trying to find a manager, then it'll be almost as almost as long away as fucking, as it were, for the Rock and Roll, Rock and Roll and Express to get to the ring. Right, and we, <laughs> you know, just, uh, just may as well just get to the point, who's the new manager? Well, yeah. Sergeant Craig Pittman's still waiting. <laughs> fucking hell, yeah, he is, isn't he? <laughs> Poor guy. He's fallen off the face of the earth because he's no manager. Uh, unfortunately, I haven't got much to write home about with this match. It does it does go on for like the better part of ten minutes. Yeah. Um, but it's because it's just there's six people and I, it's really confusing. So but there is there's some um, some decent commentary in this. Oh yeah. Noted down. <laughs> Something. <laughs> Uh, so they go on to talk about Eric Bischoff and everything that happened at the Great American Bash again and Shivani says that they had a letter from the mayor of Jennings Gap, Virginia <laughs> and Heenan says whoa, you heard from who? then proceeds to say, they have a post office? because they surely didn't call hinting at the fact that they don't have phones yet in 1996 in Virginia apparently Shivani then says Jennings Gap is right between the shoulder blades, to which Heenan then says, <laughs> Heenan then says that's where that is between the shoulder blades <laughs> <laughs> if I'm Tony Schiavone here, I'm just like, I'm gonna fucking kill you. I swear to God. Yeah, and then it gets even, it gets even better because he comes, he keeps coming back to it. Because at one minute they're talking about something else, and he just goes, Jennings Gap, and, <laughs> and then, and then he just randomly says, anyone in that ring could end up in Jennings Gap. Like, what the fuck are you talking about, Bobby? <laughs> and then, and then oh, after that, after all that talk ends. Tony starts say, uh, talking about the security and saying that they have the whole uh, whole police force of Charlotte, North Carolina in a, in attendance tonight, just in case anything <laughs> goes down. And then Brain says, yeah, both of them. <laughs> like, you are the fucking courts of the horsemen and you're dunking on Charlotte. You're dunking on Charlotte, North Carolina here. What the fuck are you doing? <sighs> Man, he had a fucking good night here, didn't he? He even fucking went against his own allegiances. Right yeah. Fucking Rip Ware's going to be having a word with him after this. Oh, man. So, <laughs> Shawnee does... Uh, Sh- Shawnee. Fuck me. Who's that? Shawnee, Shawnee Smith. Yeah. Shawnee, Shawnee. Uh, Shavani does add intrigue to the match with its convoluted rules, reminding that Sting and Luger can lose the titles without even being pinned. But the <laughs> but the worst thing that could happen, according to Heenan, is that they could end up in Jennings Gap. <laughs> the, this, was a, this was a watchable match. It's just really hard to fucking detail. It's hard to follow. Uh, six... Yeah, you, you, you're just there watching, picking out the big moves and great commentary. It is literally just that. Yeah. Uh, well, I'm not even going to do that. It's just uh, as we get to the end, Lex Luger is in with one of Harlem Heat. I didn't even know who the fuck it was. Uh, it was Booker uh, T. It was Booker T. Okay, and we we cut to a crowd where the outsiders are coming to the ring with baseball bats through the fans. There's big chance of Diesel, Diesel, Diesel ringing out as they jump the guardrail. Oh, just right. So they're dubbing the music. Ring. They're dubbing fucking music for. Uh, public enemy and DDP I forgot to mention that his music was yeah. weirdly, really weirdly dubbed on tonight and it's never yeah. usually that bad but they couldn't dub out chance for Diesel <laughs> no I, I reckon Vincent Mann was actually watching this he's like oh 
Keep that in. That was shown then, WCW. You know, Marks. I, I, yeah, I couldn't even think of uh, like WCW assholes or some shit like that. I was trying to think <laughs> of something that Vince McMahon would actually say, and I just went, of course. But yeah, Vince McMahon's still getting a hard on for dunking on WCW fucking 20 years after the fact. Yeah. I, I, I mean, I wouldn't be surprised. I mean, if, if, all you need to do is watch the Monday Night Wars do- uh, documentary, and uh, it's revisionist history on WCW. I mean, that's basically what they do. Mm-hmm. Yep, so. Uh... Yeah, the chance of Diesel, 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 and Sting's just getting in the ring, the Steiners are now in the ring too, and the police are now in the ring, and they actually look like genuine police, not the ECW Village People Police <laughs> that I detailed a few weeks ago. Uh, they fill the ring as the outsiders slam their bats into the steel steps. Uh, in the mayhem, Luke, Lex Luger's actually been rolled up by Booker T, and while Nick Patrick counts, and Lex has his foot on the ropes, Stevie holds his boot, and Harlem Heat are the new tag team champions in all this fucking mayhem. Yeah. So um, the winner... Yeah, so Harlem Heat win the titles, yeah. That's it. Yeah. That's pretty much it. But, uh, Lex could care less. He just gets straight back up and just looks straight at the police and then looks straight at the outsiders. Yeah. <laughs> right. Which I liked. I, I, I can't I can't lie. It's just like, this is more important. Yeah, I, I do like that. However, shouldn't the match have been thrown out? Matches have been thrown out for a lot less than this. The security swarm yeah. the fucking ring. There's no way you can yeah. hold a wrestling match in that match. Well, you could hold a Royal Rumble if you want to get the police involved. But that's probably <laughs> not the best idea because you might end up with a hefty lawsuit on your hands. But... Mm. Yeah, there's so many people in the ring, so many people that shouldn't be in the ring, in the ring. That match should have been called off. But it was the purpose for it was to distract uh, distract the champions so the titles finally move hands, which is fine with me. That's that's all good. And to further the, the storyline with the outsiders, which again is also really, really good. But I, I just wish there was consistency with booking. Yeah, and it's Nick Patrick again, and he's not looking good in these decision-making roles. Is no, he? I mean, this is the third I, I, one. Now. I talked about last week about uh, uh, playing blind in play, uh, playing sight. Yeah, you know that's yeah. literally what he's doing here. There's fucking twenty odd people in the ring, and he's like, "Yep, they're not here. I can't see you." <laughs> <laughs> yeah, fucking oh, so weird. But I can overlook it, even though I haven't overlooked it. But I, I understand that it was all for just continuing an angle and to get the titles moved on because I personally think that Sting and Lex Luger have long run their course as as the champions and we all know what's going to be happening with Sting in a couple of weeks' time so those titles really needed to be moved on. So, eh, you know, criticism aside, fair deal. Yeah, a bit of a schmoz as they like to call them, isn't it? There's a lot going on. Yeah, or a dusty finish. They do cut to... Yeah, they cut to a replay, which is of a a camera at ringside. Um, But that camera's again, it's trying to aim at the the police that have come into the ring. But you do see Lex Luger getting rolled up, and you do see Stevie Ray holding onto the boot, and you do see Nick Patrick just trying to avoid the police that are right in front of him, the boot that's right in front of him, Stevie Ray that's right next to him. And he's just sort of like looking at the mat. His nose is literally on the mat, and he's just tapping the floor. And then just gets up. Yeah. So yeah, he's he's doing a lot of work to try and avoid all these fucking yeah. variables. He's worse than fucking Premier League referees here. <laughs> yeah. I remember there were a time where Premier League referees had the Specsavers logo on their on their shirt. They were one of their sponsors. Oh, yeah. And it's like that's fucking yeah. ironic considering they are blind to many decisions. So like, yeah. you know, I, I would say should have gone to Specsavers, Nick Patrick, but he would probably still fucking play blind with the with the glasses on. <laughs> Fire that fucking referee. <laughs> <laughs> we all know that's not going to happen. Fire that indistinct referee, sorry. 
Police keep their hands on their guns here as Nash and Hall slowly walk back to the entranceway. Oh, the gratuitous uh, gratuitous shot of the fucking guns. Yeah. I mean, that was so quite that chilling to watch, to be honest with you. <laughs> Bobby Heenan wants to beat a, a hasty retreat here as Siobhan is closing off the show. Where they finally plug, uh, sorry, they with a final plug for Bash at the Beach on July 7th, in case you didn't know. And we are more or less out of here after. Surely Shivani does give a little bit of a, a little bit of ad libbing, but other than that, nothing to write home about. No. Um, one thing I would say about as 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 Hall and Nash are actually walking back to the entranceway, and you've got fucking bunch of coppers in the in the ring holding onto their guns. That just kind of makes you look cool as fuck, even though these guys are supposed to be, you know, coming from the outside to invade and to take over, and they're supposed to be the bad guys, but they look cool as fuck. Like, <laughs> yeah, it, it's know. very this hard to not look cool as fuck if you are Kevin Nash and Scott Hall in 1996. True, it, yeah. it's ridiculously yeah. hard. They, they they do a real good job of that. Like they know they know their fucking role. They're not about to get shot for this for their troubles. They can wait. No. They're going to take over anyway. Yep. Um, so the rating for this one would be a 3.3 to Rolls 2.7. So this is the I think it's the second week of the 83, but. There you go. Uh, what would you say, Brian? What would you I gave it a two point five. Like the wrestling action wasn't offensively bad when it was at its worst, but it weren't great. It were all filler, really. You know. Yeah. So I, I, at the same time, there was a lot of story development, and they really are pushing towards Bash at the Beach and selling the fuck out of that pay per view, and they're doing it really, yeah. really well. So I can't complain all too much. I said two point five as a bang average show. You get roles like this all the time. Like it's kind of like what you expect from a weekly show. You do need that episode where it's more about the story and less about the in-ring action. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I get you. It's, it's a fine balance, and they do that right here. Yeah, there was uh, one dark match which went at the end, and that was Ric Flair with Miss Elizabeth and Woman defeating Macho Man Randy Savage. Fucking hell, they weren't locked in that locker room after all. <laughs> no. <laughs> and just to close off what's happening this week in the wrestling world the WWF filed a lawsuit and a restraining order against Turner Broadcasting WCW and Eric Bischoff this week over the angle involving Kevin Nash and Scott Hall quote invading WCW there are four counts to the lawsuit but I'm not going to go through them all but there is uh, a little bit further down that says the lawsuit is asking for Ted Turner and WCW to forfeit all profits earned from the Hall and Nash angle and to pay punitive damages and attorney fees um the restraining order also requests that the WCW be prohibited from insinuating the WWF is involved in uh, in the angle in any way or from using any of the WWF's trademarks, which include the names and even the Scott Hall being Hispanic, you know, the, the accent. They're saying they're claiming for the toothpick. They're claiming for all sorts here. It's, it's fucking beyond ridiculous. Um, and they've also requested that WCW announcers give the following statement three times per episode this is a quote Scott Hall and Kevin Nash are both under contract to WCW and all their actions since May 27th 1996 have been at the direction of WCW any statements made by us or suggestions made by us that Hall and Nash were affiliated with WWF were false and misleading the WWF was not and has not been in any way affiliated with the portrayal of Hall and Nash since May 27th 1996 and there will not be any matches between WWF wrestlers and WCW wrestlers on Nitro on any of our shows or on any of our pay-per-views. Any statement that suggests to the effect by WCW and TBS personnel was false. If you wish to view WWF wrestlers, you should watch the WWF's programs, including Monday Night Raw, which airs on the USA Network, Monday nights at 9pm Eastern Time. <laughs> Imagine if they had to say that three times during Nitro. <laughs> per 
pathetic. <laughs> right, unfortunately, fantastic. if you had to do that, timing would have to be in effect as well. You can't, you know, you'd have to say that whilst the Rock and Roll Express are coming out. You know, you can't say it at any other time, really. If you're already saying that and then Sting's fucking coming out, then Tony Schiavone's <laughs> just going to get distracted and go, it's Sting! You know, it's, yeah. it's a lot to fucking say three times in a show and it's utterly ridiculous. Free fucking advertisement for your show. Are you fucking kidding me? Fuck off. Yeah. Madness. Fucking absolute madness. I'm glad they didn't um, win that. There's, well, there's, there's potentially a reason for it. Apparently the judge was... Um, actually in the midst of a major a major organised crime drug case oh and said that he didn't have the time to devote to the case at the moment but that when that had finished uh, he'll take the case uh, take the hearings on the case but by that time the bash at the beach pay-per-view will have already taken place so this is a major win for WCW the WF is still exploring options to try and get the angle changed before the bash at the beach pay-per-view uh, during the hearing WCW's lawyer argued it, that in the past few years 41, 41 wrestlers have jumped from one promotion to another and in 28 of those cases they showed up at another promotion using the same name and or persona and there was never a lawsuit filed before he also argued that Scott Hall's mannerisms and look and even the bad guy nickname stemmed from his first run as the Diamond Stud and the WWF were actually the ones who copied all of that from for the Razor Ramon gimmick a lot of shit slinging here it's, um, it's a bit disappointing isn't it really Vince McMahon released a press release saying he regretted filing the lawsuit but said quote I have been finally pushed up against the wall with no other options to protect my company my wife and I have committed our adult lives to building the World Wrestling Federation this company competes very well and dare I say stays ahead in a marketplace where quality of programming creativity start development and consumer interest reflect success however when a giant competitor uses your very creations to dupe and confuse the public then the playing field is not level and you are forced to fight in a different arena Um, other news it does still involve Scott and Kevin Nash is the third man is still being kept super secret the original plan according to Dave Meltzer here was Lex Luger but that probably isn't happening now Hall and Nash and Bischoff have been discussing names and currently the top candidate is Mabel they've also floated Crush but decided against him (laughs) he's really trying here isn't he Uh, (laughs) bless his cotton socks They'd really like it to be Bret Hart, but he's previously turned down all of WCW's offers and he's still under contract to the WWF, so it won't be him. Bischoff reportedly has a plan and he's keeping it so secret that even Hall and Nash don't know yet. Bischoff has told them to trust him on this, but unless he miraculously pulls Bret Hart out of a hat, most people think this is going to be a letdown. Huh. Surprise. That it was. That that it was, Dave. That it was. Going back to that lawsuit about what WCW could and couldn't do and what they could and couldn't promote... Uh, I don't know if you've actually heard about this, Mark, but you know this third-party rule that Vince McMahon's got on his wrestlers at the moment in terms of Twitch and yeah. YouTube and all that? It's going even further now because it's all about what they can and can't post on social media. That uh, There was a wrestler, I can't remember who it were, actually got in trouble by posting a picture of an Oreo. Oh, my God. Yes, they are not allowed to promote other companies unless they are affiliated to WWE in such cases as... Uh, sponsorships or you know or uh, uh, working uh, partnerships with wrestlers and shit like that it's absolutely fucking ridiculous since when are WWE in competition with fucking Oreo (laughs) I I, I don't remember Vince McMahon actually um, making his own double stuff fucking cookie you know just it's fucking ridiculous. Like you, you anybody that, uh, that has listened to this part or follows me on Twitter, is a personal friend, yada yada yada. You know that I work at Sainsbury's. Now I've openly spoke about how I was, uh, I was 
mistaken for a colleague, uh, mistaken for a, a supermarket colleague, that is, in one of our rival chains in uh, Asda. And I posted about this on my Facebook, and my boss and my, the manager of the store are on my Facebook, and they didn't pull me aside and say, yeah, you can't talk about Asda, because I wasn't actually promoting the fucking company by doing that. I was just talking about a funny story that happened in Asda that I was mistaken for a colleague by a customer, and I still went out of my way to help them, because I know that story pretty well. Like, if I posted a picture of an Asda carrier bag onto my Facebook, I won't get in trouble for it. Mm. It is also ridiculous. It's like, I don't understand Vince McMahon's obsession with splitting hers. It, it just it just makes no fucking sense to me. But there we go. Fucking Vince McMahon in his mid-70s being fucking petty. Even more so. I was going to say it again. It's not again because he's never not petty. It's fucking ridiculous. Yeah. Um, is, it because, is it because Oreo aren't sponsoring him? So he isn't. That's getting basi- any money. basically it. Yeah. But it's like, you know, if, if that's a fucking issue, why don't you fucking approach him and say, "Hey, pal, do you want to be a sponsor to us?" Yeah. But even then, it's a fucking picture of an Oreo. It's a picture of a fucking Oreo. You know what? People actually shop around outside your fucking sponsorships. They don't all just fucking eat KFC. <laughs> fucking ridiculous. Oh. Get a fucking grit, then. Come on. <laughs> Get a grip on a fucking Oreo. They're lovely. They are. They are. To be fair. Oh we, man, we were we were googling last night whether or not there's an Oreo ale, uh, and we found three. They're all in America. Oh wow. They're all in America though. Uh, but yeah, I'm staying on the hunt for that. If anybody knows of any Oreo ales, we need to try and we need to find them. So if yeah. you live in America, send a few. Yes, yeah, send a few. Yeah, we'll set up a PO box. <laughs> uh, <laughs> Uh, just to finish up here, uh, Canadian indie wrestler Don Callis, you might know his name, got a tryout at the WWF tapings this week, losing to Barry Horowitz. Callis was described as a cross between <laughs> Raven and Bob Holly, and reportedly, <laughs> reportedly did okay. <laughs> uh, <laughs> there you go. No fucking way. Invisible hand. Brian Pillman. Well, actually, to be fair, there would have been a transition point where he actually did look in between fucking Raven and Bob Holly, because he used to have longer, and now he's. He's he's halfway to being fully fucking bald. Yeah, he is. Yeah, that is true. Uh, Brian Pillman did an interview with Vince McMahon on Raw this week and told Vince that he wants his goddamn money. Quote: The goddamn was edited out on the West Coast feed, but heard live, uh, heard on the live show. <laughs> goddamn, apparently blaspheming. Uh, Ultimate Warrior's future with the WWF is in question after he missed several weekend shows after the death of his father. Warrior's father, who had been estranged from him since he was three years old, passed away last week. Warrior then no-showed the following weekend's shows, house shows, sorry. Uh, the wrestlers have been told that Warrior is gone. If he quit, he wouldn't be able to go to WCW for the remainder of his contract, which is about 14 months. If he was fired, he could work anywhere he wants to immediately. In a couple of cities, the ring announcer announced that Warrior wouldn't be there, quote, because he refuses to wrestle in a city like, insert city here, end quote. Oh, trying to get heel heat from it. Wow. Uh, Finally, at a WCW house show in New York, crowds greeted Conan with chants of You Still Suck and EC Dub. Conan got on the mic and began swearing at the fans and running down ECW. Kevin Sullivan took the mic from Conan and apologised and said those weren't the opinions of WCW and actually said some nice things about ECW. Conan caught a whole lot of heat backstage for losing his temper. But surprisingly, the following show in Philadelphia was fine, and even Jim Duggan got a re- good reaction. Fucking hell, fire. Uh, Bruno San Martino was the special referee for the main events at the shows and received a hero's welcome in New York, but only a lukewarm response in other cities. 
Well, that would make sense because he, when he was at the top of his game in WWE, they were, they were, they were performing exclusively in New York. Yeah. So, yeah, they they probably didn't fucking know him in Buttfuck, Pennsylvania. Buttfuck. <laughs> <laughs> oh God! If only there were a place called Buttfuck, that'd be it. There probably is in America, to be fair. To be fair, you know they got. I think there's a place in Kentucky called Viagra. So, oh, that is ace. That is ace. The results for WWF Raw: uh, Intercontinental Champion Ahmed Johnson defeated Hunter Hearst Helmsley with the Pearl River Plunge in a non-title match. Wow. Triple H, yeah, Triple H, obviously still suffering the effects of the curtain call there. Uh, after the bout, Doc Hendricks interviewed Ahmed about being the first African American Intercontinental Champion in WWF history. Skip and zip with Cloudy. Who the fuck is Cloudy? Uh, wow. Defeated the Brooklyn Brawler and Jerry Fox when Fox was defeated. Oh, he was just defeated then, was he? Cool. Um, Sonny did guest commentary on this match. Vader, Owen Hart and David Boy, David Boy Smith with Jim Corner and Diana Hart-Smith defeated Aldo Montoya, Savio Vega and Barry Horowitz when Montoya, sub- Montoya submitted to Hart's sharpshooter. Cornette did guest commentary for that bout. And The Undertaker with Paul Berry defeated Steve Austin via disqualification when Goldust, who came to ringside moments earlier, along with Marlena, to do guest commentary, interfered. Not much detail in that one. I did copy and paste it from a website, though, so my apologies. Yeah, it it doesn't really matter because, um, I don't know if I've said this quite recently, but Nitro, Jen, is coming soon. Um, yes. I do have a few episodes written up. I've just been waiting for the website to go live. I think now's a good time to say that the la- the website can go live on our first anniversary, can't it, really? Yeah, that's, 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 a, a, good that's a real good aim. I'm all for that. Right. Nitrogencast.com. There is a subsection on the website where you'll be able to read up Bonacious Brian at Bradshaw's Nitrogen blogcast. We call that's what it is. Yeah, that's what you called it. You coined the word podcast, and I actually texted you the other day saying, I fucking love that. <laughs> <laughs> so we'll, uh, we'll probably keep it like that. Um, Obviously, there'll be other things on the website as well. There's going to be a shop on there. There is a option to donate to us as well if you want to do that because, obviously, we do kind of need a little bit of help when it comes to paying for the servers and, and the website and everything like that. But you, nobody, we're not asking for money. If, if people would like to, then that's entirely up to you guys, but we're not asking for money, of course. Um, yeah, and I also want to put it out there is that when, when the website does go live, if you have any thoughts or anything like that you, you, if you feel the need you want to write an article and you want to get it out there about your thoughts on WCW back in the day or or if you have any ideas for like a fancy booking for like what WCW will be like in 2021 anything at all related to WCW or wrestling in general if you need an outlet to get it out there you know just shoot me a DM with the article I'll give it a read and if I like it who knows we might post it and give you help along the way yeah, sounds like a good plan to me. Um, so yeah, March 26th, 2021, the 20th anniversary of WCW Dying will be when nitrogencast.com goes live. Uh, you'll be able to go onto our own official website. We've got an app in the work as well, so you might want to keep an eye out on that. Unfortunately, it will be Android only for this moment in time because Android is open sourced and Apple isn't. So it's much easier for me to develop an app for Android thank you to everybody for listening as always you can catch us on the usual social media channels you can go to link tree 
uh, to get all the links to all the social media channels and to the podcast service. We're on Verbal now. I don't know if anybody knows what Verbal is. Thank you to our sponsor, who is, uh, as always, is uh, Promotion Wars, the game, as we detailed earlier on, 1,900 wrestlers, over 200 match types, uh, loads and loads of arenas, the ability to do all kinds of things on this game. It's like football manager for the wrestling world, and we've all done it. We've all talked about like what we do better, we could do better, I would book better matches better storylines everything like that well now you've got a chance to prove it so why don't you download it and why don't you find out let us know at nitrogencast on twitter and everywhere else on the internet just let us know how you're getting on a promotion wars that's promwars.co.uk that's where you can download that for free you can also download packs so you can go back to the monday night wars you can go back to 2002 wwf where you've got the big rosters a huge roster and everything like that you can go back to roster splits you can go back to ecw versus wwe all kinds of stuff you can do it's a lot of fun and for me marvelous mark ashworth and the bodacious Brian Bradshaw. The real big boys, they just left your real homes. <laughs>